Irrespective of whether you call them global nomads, transcultural children, cosmopolites, or third culture kids, they have been given many, many names across the board. Simply put, a third culture kid is a person who has spent a significant part of his or her developmental years outside of the parent's culture. They have a home culture, that is the one that they are usually born into, and a host culture, which is the country that they move to, and as a result of their childhood split between these cultures, these individuals don't identify entirely with either. Instead, they psychologically form an interstitial third culture identity that lies in between their host culture and the home culture. Next week, we will be getting deep into our own personal experiences, particular to kids of non-resident Indians and even other nationalities moving back to India. But before we can talk about ourselves, let's talk science. For the most part, a third culture identity is largely stigmatized by society being ill-informed of the weight felt by a third culture individual. They are often asked to just fit in or just be like everybody else. But over the years, there have been a few studies on these children proving that third culture kids go through unique growth phases and understanding those phases will help provide a better, more nurturing environment for them. And I must say, learning about this has helped me, a third culture individual myself, personally feel less alone and more comfortable in owning my differences. So what does science say? It is indeed a curious phenomenon, occurring quite more frequently in our increasingly globalized world. This was identified originally by sociologist Dr. Ruth Usim and her husband John in the 1950s, who used it to describe the children of American citizens working and living abroad. Ruth Usim first used the term after her second year long visit to India with her fellow sociologist and anthropologist husband and three children. In 1993, she wrote, in summarizing which we had observed in our cross-cultural encounters, we began to use the term third culture as a generic term to cover the styles of life created, shared, and learned by persons who are in the process of relating their societies or sections thereof to each other. The term third culture kids or TCKs was coined to refer to the children who accompany their parents into another society. The premise of many studies on these children is rather simple. The experience abroad changes your brain. If this occurs during formative years, then it will have lasting effects on your values, worldview, and ensuing lifestyle. Studies of third culture kids worldwide found shared personality traits and emotions transcendent of passport, country, ethnicity, or even language. Third culture kids are considered internationally minded. This terminology has become increasingly more valued in corporate circles due to globalization. The most obvious one confusion that third cultural kids struggle with is self-identification and belonging because they identify with aspects of both their passport and their host countries while failing to fit perfectly into either. It is this very notion that causes third culture kids to shift their identity model with every plane they board, leading them to become quite adept chameleons in a variety of settings. So while this does lead to feelings of cultural estrangement, it also strengthens a third culture kid's unique ability to relate to people of all cultures. Now, every third culture kid has a different experience. Some are able to seamlessly chameleon their way into the world, while others, not so much. 
When individuals who have spent a significant number of their developmental years in a host culture and have not been able to adapt, develop an identity, and do not feel as though they belong, they are considered as culturally homeless. Cultural homelessness has been found to have both advantages and disadvantages, at times to being associated with low self-esteem, perceiving less control over one's own life, and an unsatisfactory level of experience with belonging and attachment. As much as these kids are seen as weird, there are also many unique advantages to being third culture. Now take Jordan Clive's piece on Medium, linked in our description below. He says, here's one analogy I use to explain it. It's like life is a game of pole vaulting and compared to everyone else's poles, I was given a longer one. I have an increased measure of difficulty added to life, but I have the potential to see greater results. Thus far in life, I would say I've been blessed to see some of those higher returns as a result of my crazy but beneficial past. Famous third culture kids who have made it work in their favor include Barack Obama, who had his life between Hawaii and Indonesia, Freddie Mercury, Tanzania, India, Kobe Bryant, Italy, America, Keanu Reeves, half Hawaiian Chinese raised in Lebanon, Kim Jong-un, well, I mean, Kim Jong-un, right? Well, believe it or not, he's a third culture kid raised in Switzerland until he was 15. So there you have it. Coming to the other advantages of third culture kids, they usually are more analytical and the skills that come with immersing oneself into different spaces are often skills touted as being those of problem solvers, analytical or even unique in how they form connections and value those relationships. Third culture kids have the potential to feel deeply and empathize with humanitarian issues, grieving and even trauma victims, making them more likely to provide support and counsel more accurately. Accurately. But that's because some psychologists argue that moving countries and leaving behind their own society is a form of grief and unresolved trauma that can present itself as childhood trauma. Dr. Fabian Saraluz is quoted in the Gulf News as saying, Such children are fortunate to be exposed to different cultural influences. Depending on their upbringing and the fluidity of boundaries between these cultures, they can combine and create a new culture that is the third culture. Obviously, multiple languages and cultural environments lead to a more complex experience of the world and thus the self or identity. The pro is obviously uniqueness. They are not the same as their counterparts from the original or host culture. They are more flexible, adaptive, and thus find it easier to adjust to changing environments. From a social or even professional perspective, this is a great advantage. On the downside, however, Dr. Saralu said, this complexity in the brain can sometimes lead to conflicts or even neurological overstimulation and psychological disorders like depression, anxiety, identity, and personality disorders. According to him, not being 100% to either or culture can be difficult for some people if they overanalyze it and focus on their deficiency or what they think they would miss, in particular if they want to belong 100% to some group. Naturally, growing up in a different environment from their original culture or nation leads to children missing out on a certain experience and thus sets them apart from their counterparts, which in the case of going back home can be difficult as they cannot smoothly 
integrate with and assimilate from the leading culture. Then again, he said, thanks to globalization, there are other ways and alternative avenues for them to seek out and try to fit in. Plus, if individuality is stimulated in the individual or preferred in a lot of societies, for example, in a place like Netherlands, where it is valued to be yourself, then the created third culture can be quite an asset. Ruth Van Raken has spent a lifetime writing and advocating and teaching about psychological impact of an internationally mobile child. Along with the many benefits come, of course, challenges that must be faced with each child that is moved. She states, the issue is that transition always involves loss. No matter how good the next phase will be, loss always engenders grief and the greater you have loved a situation or place or people, the greater the grief. The layers of loss run deep. Friends, community, pets, family, toys, language, weather, food, culture, loss of a place of comfort, stability, a safe and predictable world, home. These children are losing the worlds they love over and over. They cycle through the stages of grief each time they move, or they don't, and push it down, submerge it, only to have it bubble up later in life, unexplained. The grief of children is often invisible. They are told they will adapt. They are resilient. They are told they'll get over it. They'll get over missing that friend. They'll get over that pet. They'll have a nicer room and a new house. Their family is rushed. They don't have time to mourn their losses. Rebecca Grappo, an educational consultant who specializes in the placement of these children, says that there are three basic things all children need belonging, recognition, and connection. For third culture kids, these basic needs are ripped away with each move. Powerless in the decision to relocate, their many losses are often not acknowledged, even by their own parents, and the main problem is unspoken, unrecognized, and shunted aside. So if these losses aren't properly processed in childhood, they have the potential to adversely impact them in adulthood. As much as the studies make us seem different and difficult, the truth is we are all different. We process our losses and gains differently. And as in the case with any chemical compound, there is no assurance as to how your compound will react when transported into a different environment in the midst of its formation. So what can we do as members of society? especially as parents, how can we best support these children? The best advice all these columns give is to listen and to validate their child's experience. If you want to form an instant soul connection with these individuals, it actually wouldn't be too hard. As friends, when they come to you, don't ask them where they're from or what's troubling them. Ask them where they have lived. Ask them what they have left behind. As family, open doors and just listen. Give them the time and space and permission they need to remember and to mourn. They have a story, many stories in fact, and they need and deserve to be heard and to be healed and to be whole.